Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you can, we invite you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 20. As John begins his message today, Jesus cares about our doubt. What is doubt? Here it is. Doubt is when we question the Word of God, the goodness of God, or the ability of God to take care of us. That's what doubt is. We read a promise in the Bible. For example, it says, my God shall supply all of your needs. That's a promise. So when you read that, you have to make a decision. Do I believe that or do I not believe that? Or am I not sure whether I believe that or not? (laughs) And if you say that, that's doubt. You're doubting a promise of God. Or here's another promise. We all know, quoted all the time. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him. That's a promise. But in the middle of the battle out there, we sometimes think, how in the world is God going to bring good out of whatever it is that I'm going through right now? So many times we doubt God's word. When we begin to question and wonder, is God really good? Is God going to take care of me? Is God going to meet this need? Is God going to see me through this? God going to bring good out of this? Is Romans 8, 28 going to get the last word on this? We begin to question that. We have to begin to doubt our doubts, and we have to do it on two levels. First of all, we have to begin to consider who it is we're doubting. We're doubting the God of the Bible. And so when you think about that, you have to go back and think, now, wait a second. The promise says, God has said, he's going to meet all my needs. God has said his grace is sufficient. God has said, I can do all things through Christ. God has said that he's going to be with me every step of the way. God has said, no weapon formed against me will prosper. God said that. God said that uh, he'll take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for good. God said he would restore the years that the locusts have eaten. God said that. God said he would fulfill his purpose for my life. God said he would perfect that which concerns me. God said all these things. God said that he's going to give me a peace that passes all understanding. God said there's a way for me to be content in, any, in every situation. Now, God said that, but I'm doubting that, and I'm questioning that. And I'm wondering how that could be true because, after all, my circumstances aren't perfect either. They're not ideal. I've got my own problems. John was in prison, but look what I'm going through. And so we doubt. But what you need to do is doubt your doubts. And you need to think about this. When you begin to doubt all those promises that I just shared, you're doubting the God of the Bible. You're doubting the God who made the world. You're doubting the God who performed all these miracles, who parted the Red Sea, who fed him in the wilderness, who multiplied the fish and the loaves, who walked on the Sea of uh, Galilee, who died on the cross, who three days later rose from the dead. You're doubting him. And so you have to doubt your doubts. And you have to ask yourself, is it logical? Is it logical? You see, that's one thing that will help you with doubt. Doubt is illogical. It's natural. It's normal. We've all done it. But it is illogical because we're doubting the God of the Bible. Who, Who think about this? who can do anything but tell a lie. God can't lie. And so we're doubting the God of the Bible. But you know what? Also, we're doubting the God who has been with us every step of the way. Well, I mean, here's the question. Is it logical for me to doubt, not only the God of the Bible, but is it logical for me to doubt the God who has kept every promise that he's ever made to me, that he has seen me through every storm I've been through, 
that He has delivered me from every trial, that He has that he has exceedingly abundantly done far beyond what I could ever imagine, is it logical to doubt him? Well, no, it's not logical at all. And so we need to doubt our doubt. Now, go to, I want to show you a verse. Go to the Old Testament and find the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 46, 4. Even to your old age, I am he. And even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Even I will carry and will deliver you. And so God is saying here, even when you're old and your hairs are gray or your hairs are gone, it wouldn't make any difference. God is saying, I've made you, I will bear you, I will carry you, and I will deliver you, even to old age. I was visiting a nursing home several years ago, and I was walking down the hall to visit whoever I was going to visit, and just happy as I could be, excited to see whoever I was going to be seeing, wasn't worried about anything, and all of a sudden the devil put this thought, either the devil or me. It wasn't God. Either the devil or me put this thought in my mind. Here was the thought. If you end up in a nursing home, who's going to visit you? Now, that just came to my mind. And I thought, well, now that's a good question. Who is going to visit me? And uh, I hope you guys live a long time. So if I do end up, I just pray I don't go to a nursing home. But, I, you know, I just had that thought come to my mind. It was kind of scary because I thought, well, I don't know who would. And immediately, maybe not immediately, but within about a minute, This verse came to my mind, even to your old age, I am he, and even to gray hairs, I will carry you. I hope I don't end up in a nursing home. If I do, will I have anybody visit me or not? I don't know if I'll have a visitor, but I'll have a full-time resident. God will be with me in that room, and God will be with you because he's made this promise, even to your old age, I am he. Now, look at the verse before that because this is what I'm tying it in tonight, how it's illogical to doubt that God is going to take care of us in the future when God has taken care of us in the past. Now look at verse 3. God said, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb. God says, God says, I have carried you from the womb. And just like I have carried you from the womb, I will carry you to the tomb and then beyond the tomb. God says, just like I've been with you from before you were born, I knit you together in your mother's womb. I was there when you were born. I was there when you were growing up. I was meeting your needs. I was seeing to everything that everything was tended to in your life. Just like I was with you from the beginning, I will be with you to the end. Now, let me ask you this question. Is it logical to doubt, first of all, what God has said here. It's not logical. And as you look at your own life, is it logical to doubt that the one who has taken care of you up until this point will take care of you all the way to heaven? Is it logical? No, it's not logical. It's illogical. And that's the reason tonight that I'm saying one of the things you can do to get loose, this is not the main thing, it's the first thing that you can do to get loose is to doubt your doubts and to get to the place where you say, this is illogical. Consider who I'm doubting. How foolish of me to doubt God. Now, the second step is just as important. If we're going to get loose from doubt, we have to change our focus. You doubt your doubts, but you also change your focus. Now, go back to the Gospel of John. This time, find chapter number 20. Jesus was helping doubting Thomas to stop doubting. And one of the reasons that Jesus stayed on the earth for 40 days after the resurrection, before he went back to heaven, was to help people who were going through a hard time. 
And Thomas was going through a hard time. Thomas was doubting. And he was not convinced that Jesus was alive. And so Jesus made a second trip back to the room there in Jerusalem where the disciples were gathered a week after the resurrection. Now, this is the Sunday after the resurrection. And Thomas, this time, is with the disciples. And notice what Jesus does in verse 27. Jesus said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it into my side. And then he says, Do not be unbelieving but believing. But what I want you to see is that Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, you have said that you would not believe unless you could see with your eyes the nail prints in my hands, unless you could put your hand in my side. So if that's what it takes to get you to believe, I want you to believe. Here are my hands. Look. Look at my hands. Here's my side. Put your hand in my side, Thomas. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was saying, Thomas, you've got all these doubts in your mind. And what, I wanted, what I'm trying to do is to change your focus, to get your focus off of your questions. See, Thomas was wondering, Jesus rise from the dead? I don't think, I mean, I, I, he probably can, but what are the odds somebody's really going to rise from the dead? And if he had risen from the dead... How come I haven't already seen him? And he's got all these questions. And so Jesus said, Thomas, you need to get your focus off your doubts. Get your focus on to me. Now, in my own life, this was the most important thing that God did for me to free me from my doubts. It was to get my focus off of me and to get my focus on to him. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this. I've always said that for many years I doubted my salvation. There is a sense in which that's true. But as I've thought about that, in my doubting of salvation, I never doubted God. I only doubted me. I never doubted God's ability to save. I never doubted anything about God. Here's what I doubted. I doubted when I went to get saved, did I do it right? So, see, the reason I had doubt is because my focus was on me instead of Jesus. And that's what Jesus is doing here to Thomas. He's saying, Thomas, look at me. Get your head, get your head out of the clouds. Stop focusing in the wrong direction. Look at me. Here are my hands. Here's my side. Get your focus on me. The devil's trick, not just with salvation, it's certainly true there, but the devil's main trick in life is to get your focus off of Jesus. Anything he can do. I was home the other day on a Friday, and I was thinking about something that was bothering me. Something that, it's not, it was not a big deal, but it was something I didn't think was right. And it bothered me. And it was anno- I found it quite annoying. And so I was praying about it, and I said, God, I don't think, this is not a big deal. I don't think this is right. It is quite annoying to me. And I wish you would change it. And Lord, here's my, here was my request on that Friday morning. I said, God, I'm asking you to show me how to look at this situation differently. Because I know that so much of life is our perspective, how we look at things. And God, if you'll just show me how to look at this situation differently, then it won't bother me. It won't annoy me. And as soon as I prayed that is one of the most You've had these experiences, and I have, but I had this experience the other Friday in my home, the other Friday morning. 
not audibly, but down in my heart, when I said, God, show me how to look at it differently. Here's what God said. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. In other words, God said, I'm not going to have to look at it differently. I'm telling you, don't look at it. And when he said that, I knew that, I knew that was God, and I knew that was right. Because, but that's my point. The devil's snare, and that's what I'm saying, it's not just with salvation. The devil's snare is to do anything he can to get your focus off of Jesus. And I'll tell you this, there's plenty in our country right now to get our eyes off Jesus. And there's plenty in our country to get us annoyed and get us a little upset and a little bit hot under the collar, a little bit all worked up, a little bit anxious, a little bit worried. And it's, I'm, what I'm saying to you, behind all of that is the devil The devil, listen to me, he doesn't care if you're obsessed with politics, if you're obsessed with somebody else, if you're obsessed with how much money you have, if you're obsessed with a hobby, if you're obsessed with somebody who's offended you or hurt your feelings. The devil doesn't care what or who you focus on as long as you don't focus on Jesus. His main objective is to get your focus off of Jesus. Because he knows if your focus is off of Jesus, you are a sinking ship. What does it say, Isaiah 26.3? What did the prophet say? You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So the promise is if our mind is stayed on God and if we're trusting in him, perfect peace. Well, if you believe that's true, amen. If that's true, the opposite must also be true. Those whose minds are not stayed on God will not be at perfect peace. I'm telling you, in a nutshell, what the devil wants to do in the life of the believer is to get us to focus on anything other than Jesus. Because once that happens, once our focus is not on Jesus, we lose our peace, we lose our perspective, And from there, the bottom can fall out. And so, what God wants to do is to get us to focus on Him. And so, when Jesus goes to Thomas, what's He doing? Thomas, change your focus. Put your focus on me. Now, turn if you would. I may have already said this, but if not, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. But what I just said is worth you thinking about and maybe applying to your life. There may be something in your life that's annoying to you that's bothering you, that's upsetting to you. You don't think it's right, and you know what? You may be right. It may not be right. Unless you can change it, it may be that what God is saying to you tonight, the same thing God said to me a few weeks ago, don't look at it. Because if you look at it, your focus is wrong. Now, let's get back to the doubt and think we're thinking a little more specifically here about salvation. All those years I doubted my salvation. I wasn't doubting God. I was doubting me. I was doubting my faith. And uh, I came across this book by Adrian Rogers years ago, and he had been through the same struggle. I never knew he had until 2003. In July of 2003, it became revealed to me by him through a sermon that he had been through the same struggle I had been through, and he told how he got out of it, and God used that to help me get out of it. Here's what Adrian said. If you put faith in faith, that is your focus instead of on God is on your own faith, You're a sitting duck for the devil. The devil will come to you and say, you're not good enough to be saved. You say, I know it, but I don't have any faith in myself. The devil says, there are hypocrites in the church. Let me ask you a question. 
Do you think there are hypocrites in the church? Yes or no? Yes, there are hypocrites in every church. I mean, sometimes we're all hypocrites. And uh, so sometimes these people out there who are not going to church, what they, the devil says to them, you don't need to go to church. They're hypocrites in the church. Well, that's true. So what has the devil done? He's gotten the people's focus off of God and off their need to get saved, and now their focus is on all the hypocrites in the church. So you should say to the devil, I'm not putting my faith in hypocrites. I'm trusting the Lord. The devil will say to you, now this is how the devil tries to make people doubt their salvation, but you don't feel like you should. You don't feel saved. And you say, I'm not trusting my feelings. I'm trusting the Lord. Adrian said, you would think the devil would go away, but do you know what he'll do? And this is the slyest thing of all. He will say, you say you're trusting the Lord, but how do you know your faith is strong enough? How do you know your faith is the real thing? That's his dirtiest and most devious trick. And Adrian said, many people go under when Satan says this. If the devil ever pulls that stunt on you, just tell him this. Look, devil, I'm not putting my faith in faith. My faith is in Jesus. Now, there's a difference in that. The least amount of faith in the right right object is better than strong faith in the wrong object. We are to believe in him. Do you remember what the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 2? Now, that's the verse I wanted you to look at. In Hebrews 12, 2, we are to be looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, he said. Don't look at your look. Don't look at your faith. Don't put faith in your faith. Put faith in God. And so tonight, some may be here and say, John, I, you know, Yes, sometimes I doubt God's ability to meet my needs or to see me through or to take care of my family or whatever. But some may say, this whole thing about doubting my salvation, I do that too because I don't always feel, quote, feel saved. I don't always act saved. I don't, my, my faith's not really all it should be. We see what the devil's done? Instead of your focus being on Jesus, instead of your faith being in Jesus, now where's your focus? Your feelings? Your actions, your imperfections, your sins, your faith, instead of looking above, you're looking within. And if you look within, you will become hopeless. We have to change our focus from inward to upward. And we look to Jesus. And when we look to Jesus, we've got our faith in the right place. And so how do we get this doubt off of us? We doubt our doubts. It's not logical to doubt the God of the Bible. It's not logical to doubt the God who's been with us since we were in our mother's womb. And then we change our focus from us to Jesus. It doesn't matter. Listen, we're not saved by the strength of our faith. We're saved by the object of our faith, and that needs to be Jesus. And then the third thing that we can do to defeat doubt, it's very simply this, believe. Believe. As I said last Wednesday night, if you're doubting Jesus... You can't, at the same time, be trusting Jesus. And if you're trusting Jesus, you can't be doubting Jesus. Hear what, again, what Jesus said to John, uh, to Thomas, rather, in John chapter 20 and verse 27. At the last of the verse, he said, do not be unbelieving, but believing. I would say this to the doubter tonight. The way out. Now, you've listened to this whole sermon. Everything I've said has been biblical, right, and good. We get out of doubt by doubting our doubts by changing our focus, but the real, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like if you'll doubt your doubts 
And if you'll change your focus, it's kind of like now you're you're a prisoner. You've been in Alcatraz or some other prison for 20 years. When you began to doubt your doubts, and when you, when you started doubting your doubts, the key went in the door. When you changed your focus, the key turned the lock, and now the door is open. But you're still in the cell. The, 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 the door is open. You, you can get out. You say, okay, John, now I'm doubting my doubts. It's illogical. I'm changing my focus. It's not me but Jesus, but I'm still in the, yeah, you're still in the cell until you take this action step here. Until you believe. You say, John, how do I take the action step and step out of this cell and out into freedom? Here's how you do it. If you, if you tonight are living under the burden and bondage of doubt, I'm telling you tonight from the Word of God, I'm telling you tonight as one who's traveled this road how you can step out of that and that bondage can be gone. You look up to heaven. And you say these words, Jesus, I'm trusting you. And if you say that, and if you mean that, you just walked out of that cell of doubt. And you just walked into that freedom. And every time, that doesn't mean the devil won't come back and try to suck you back in or get your focus back off God. No, he'll be back. But every time he, every time he does that, if you can just learn to respond to him by saying, I'm trusting Jesus. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm telling you, the devil cannot stand a steady diet of a Christian who says and believes and means, I'm trusting Jesus. Amen? And so tonight, if you're in the prison cell of doubt and you want out, I'm telling you tonight the way to do it. Put your faith in Jesus and just tell him tonight, that you trust Him. Heads bowed and eyes closed. First, let's don't, let's don't deal with salvation first. Let's deal with the person here tonight who's doubting God's provision, some other promise. They're, you're doubting and worried about a wayward child, maybe a spouse, a problem there, or maybe a financial situation or a health crisis. You're doubting, you're wondering, you're questioning. That's how you came into church tonight. But I don't, God doesn't want you to go out of church like that. Just say to Jesus, say, Jesus, with this thing in my life, and now you know what it is, just fill in the blank, I trust you. Those are liberating words. I trust you. I trust you with it. That's my new modus operandi. That's my new way to deal with this. I'm trusting Jesus. That's my way out. That's the way to get out and stay out. I'm trusting Jesus. Others tonight, you say, John, for me, it's not, it's not my health or my finances or my family. It's my soul. It's my salvation. I'm just not sure that I'm saved. If you would pray this prayer tonight and trust Jesus to answer it, you can leave here tonight a new person. Would you say this? Say, Lord Jesus, I need to know for sure that I'm saved. And so I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to forgive my sins. And I ask you to make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. Now, here it is. And I trust you to do it. I don't trust how I feel. You may say this to Jesus. Say, Lord, I feel about the same as I felt before I started this prayer. But I'm not trusting my feelings. I'm trusting you. The feelings will come. 
But then they'll go again, and then they'll come back the rest of my life. Feelings will come and go. But I'm not living by that. I'm trusting you with all of my heart. Father, I thank you for that one who may have prayed that tonight. And I pray you would fill that person with peace. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said, Amen. For those of you who have just prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. Please let us know about your new life in Christ by sending us an email to info at peacebybelieving.org. If you are a new believer in Jesus Christ, we encourage you to get plugged into a strong Bible-believing church in your area and to tell your family and friends about how Jesus has changed your life. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.